in your word. And as we uh, come this morning, we're in part two of Colossians. We're going to be going through Colossians, uh, but it was um, the Colossians 1, 9 through 14 we'll be covering this morning. And it's my prayer that as we look at a person, you're talking about a person who's um, uh, driven, purpose-driven, he's that individual. That's about a word of prayer. Father God, how we pray right now that you will be with the uh, saints of God and myself. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word and uh, how you slow us down and to look at it closely, contextually, and then you speak to our hearts and the purpose that we understand, embrace it, and then practice it. And so we have a teacher before us, and that's Paul. As the Holy Spirit guides him, had guided him to write, help us to uh, glean from the things that he has to say. Open our hearts and minds to this. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints say, amen, amen. Well, um, Colossians, we start with Colossians uh, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in knowledge of God. It goes on. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. It goes on. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let's look at our review. Uh, just kind of refresh your mind as to where we were and what we'd be addressing. And again, I'm not in a, <laughs> in a rush to do this. Uh, we'll pick it up at another time. We don't get through it, so don't, don't worry about this, folks. We're going to get through it. Uh, and so, so Paul displayed a perfect example of what is meant by the phrase people are primary. It was not the number uh, of recipients of his letter, but the focus, a sincere letter of encouragement. Paul wanted to make sure that the individuals who are out there in that battlefield, like the soldiers, that they receive a letter that would encourage their hearts and strengthen their resolve. And so that is what he's done. Now, one of his sincere approach to talk about, uh, we observed about two things that was uh, uh, careful, he was careful to write. His desire approach. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So the first thing we see is the verse, and then of course we want to start breaking it through, breaking it down. As we talk about Paul, let's go to the next slide then. And it says this, he always thank, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He says, I've been thinking about you and we always, he said, we sometimes, we always pray. Um, that is, that's so important. And, uh, your prayers, you'll never know the dynamics and the uh, effect of your prayers on individual lives. Uh, even when they don't know you're praying, when the Lord just kind of brings them up and, uh, into your face. Uh, I had a very few weeks uh, of uh, a couple of weeks of real challenges. But one of the refreshers that I received uh, in my uh, email was um, an individual, some of you might know him, but uh, others, okay. But uh, Steve Craig, uh, and Steve Craig, uh, uh, he um, he texted me and he was saying, "I was just thinking about you," and then he went on to say all the the, the things that he felt ministered to his life. I haven't seen Steve Craig in about ten or fifteen years or more. What God laid on his heart, and he wrote, "Are you ministering? Are we ministering to lives?" That long after you're off the scene, they are still praising God that they met you. That is so important. There was 16 again that Paul used to encourage the believers in Colossae. First says, he encouraged their faith. He says, I was really encouraged when we found out about your faith. Boy, that really blew us, blew us away. That you're still walking with the Lord. You're still trusting God. And faith is not a conditional thing. Faith is just now. Faith, you don't go around and you, oh, I found some faith. No, you didn't. Uh, the only reason that you have faith is because God gave you the faith to believe. And he chose you before the foundation of the world to give you that faith. Then through faith, by the grace you are saved, then you, you are uh, in God's family. So faith here, he said, and I saw you guys, once you're in the family, now you're functioning, and it blessed my heart, you're acting like Jesus. Then he goes on, he's, the next one was their love. So the next thing I, I, I see is your love. Remember, we're not talking about emotional love. We're talking about a commitment, uh, a total commitment to the ultimate good of your people, of God's people. I was looking at one of the a Hallmark movie where this young man had a wedding ring and uh, he was in this small town and they knew him a little bit. But he said, he said, uh, my my dog grabbed my wedding ring off the table and he took it to the beach and it's somewhere on the sand. He said, will you help me? And the guy who was at the hot dog stand, whatever that, that's the concession stand, he, uh, he said to people, come on, let's go. And the whole town was on the beach looking for that ring. Bottom line, they found the ring. Why? Because they cared about him. You see, when you love, you lay aside your inconvenience. He said, I'm blown away that you lay aside your inconvenience and I see your love really coming through this thing. 
And then not only that, not only did I see your faith and your love activating, then I see I see your hope looking up. I, I see that your your hope is remember the song. I, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. He said, "It thrilled me when I found out about you folks that you your hope was still you still fired up." Uh, one thing that could really break your heart is to come across believers that were full on on fire for the Lord, and now years later. Uh, they have walked away. And I've had some acquaintances. I had some friends who walked, who walked away, who walked away. They've never, uh, well, they walked away. I remember some of the props. Uh, there's a couple that I know. One did our retreat at one point, And their whole concept has shifted. And my heart goes down. But that's between them and the Lord. But the thing that blessed my heart is those of you who stay in the word, those of you who trust the word, you believe it, and it defines you that nothing, nothing can quell that hope in you. Paul says, I'm excited about what he said. Boy, I'm just letting you folks know. I, I just feel good about, about knowing how you're going. Have, have you ever come across a person who's excited that they're still walking with the Lord? Okay, uh, and a lot of times when the folks say, well, how you feel? I say, well, it feels so good, I can't hardly stand it. He says, you know what? I just, I'm, I'm excited with it. Then he goes on and hearing, he says, I'm excited that not only do you hear the word, but you understand the word. Now, now why is that important? Because you see, if you hear God's word, and that's what, what God, the word of God does, it enables us to hear, he opens our ear, he to have an ear, let him hear, then after we hear it, we understand it. Then from the understanding, you get knowledge. And once you have knowledge, now you can apply wisdom. He said, I am so glad you're in the process of being a person that walks in the fellowship with God, fully understanding. He said, I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. I just feel like jumping one on, on one of these fans and twirling around. You folks are really doing good. Then it says, their willingness to be taught. Oh, you have a receptive heart. He says, I'm so, he says, I'm so overwhelmed over this because he's going to break out in prayer after all this stuff. But he's going to break out in prayer. But just before his, uh, this is his pre-prayer uh, uh, set up. And he says, you know, I am so built up over what you're doing and your willingness to, to be taught. And I appreciate that about you folks, that you're willing to listen, not only listen, but to be taught. You see, the whole idea of teaching uh, to those who are you educated, of course, know this already, I'm speaking to the choir, uh, it's, it's transferable concepts. When you go into a class, a class see it this way, but by the time you finish laying it all out to them, you, you know when to start clicking because they'll say, oh, yeah. Ah, they get excited when they're taught the right way. And that's why that's why God is laying on individuals who are, uh, are, are the pastors and teachers. God is holding us accountable as to how we are teaching God's people. Stay with the word. 
Don't ever go by an opinion. Opinions have to come after the facts. Never put the uh, opinion before the facts. Okay. Uh, well, uh, then he says, um, the love in the spirit. So he says, and the thing that really blessed my heart, what your love, it didn't say, it says, in the spirit. The Holy Spirit now is, is working. And it's not like in the spirit, I just feel good. And that's why I'm showing love. No, your love is consistent in the spirit. And people can trust you. People can rest in your presence. Jesus, people are, are thrilled to see you. I've told you before. Everyone, when they meet you, they have a tablet and they write everything about you. They don't tell you about it. This guy in the and the and the that cranial systems of theirs. They they write everything about you. Uh, they want to know your name. Uh, you know, they get all the data. And then some of them they just kind of watch you, uh, and observe your mannerism and all of that's in the file. It's all that's in the file. Believe it or not, people have a file on you. If I if I bring up a name, you think about that person's name, and guess what? You have a little brain there that goes through that file and pull it out, okay? Uh, let me use a very controversial name at this point. Trump, okay? Uh, immediately, everybody, you know I'm not talking about uh, uh, the word Trump. There's an individual uh, uh, like that, okay? Uh, Edie Hameen, well, it might be somebody before your time. But each time you bring up a name, then you bring up uh, the various things that's in that folder. Now, Put your name, when people mention your name, what do they think when they, uh, now some folks would be nice and said, oh yes, I know them. Watch the mannerism. Um, when, when you have really impacted the person's life and they love you and, you and they mention your name, watch their mannerism, okay? Uh, okay, this is not a, a conversation today, but anyway. Uh, do it in, in, in love, and you'll be surprised the response. You see, perception, repeat that to me, perception affects reception. That's why Paul always introduced himself, a Paul, an apostle, okay? Uh, that, that's me. I've been called by God, and, and, and here's what I'm supposed to be doing. And because of Paul's reputation, they're willing to listen. They're willing to hear. And that's why I think it's so important that we live with a sense of love and uh, receptiveness that when people see our lives, when people hear your name and the label that they put on it is one of receptivity. Now, of course, there's two classes. There's some folks who will hate you. So you can't even, you call them, they're, they're called the haters. What are they? Now, now you can't control that. You can't. Uh, the, the haters started with Jesus Christ, because you cannot hate and love at the same time. Okay, if they hate, then that means they're disobeying God. So then, don't respond in hate. Respond in praying for them in this area. Amen. Well, the encouraging dynamics of a person who is in Christ and obedient to the Holy Spirit is there selfless love and concern for others. Never permit the praise of what you do uh, to keep you from being who you are in Christ. Please keep in mind that the last impact of your, the lasting impact of your ministry 
is built on the Christ-like attitude of your heart. I think that's very important. Thinking it through. What do you hear the outline? No, I'm just starting outline. I'm just giving you a review. <laughs> Hang in there, folks. Okay. Uh, here we go. Thinking it through. Paul's response to the believers in Colossae was immediately, uh, immediately bathed in prayer. There were several important phrases made in his prayer. First, the necessity of being filled. Uh, controlled by the basic essentials of our decisions and actions. The second, repeat, well, won't you read it? Number two is what? The necessity of maintaining a godly lifestyle. Number three, the necessity of being fruitful, productive. Number four, the necessity of being strong. And number five, the necessity of possessing and maintaining a thankful spirit. These are the areas that we will cover, um, maybe not all this morning, but we'll just keep on chugging along till we get on through this because we see what Paul is doing and we want to find out from a master uh, teacher who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, and he says, this is how you approach people. The first thing you approach them is you approach them with praise. And that's what he's, he did. Didn't we just pass that? He just approached them with praise. When you, when you see a person, find something about the individual you can praise them for instead of talk about. And then, then the second thing, he the next thing that we're dealing with now is once you have addressed them in praise, he says, now I want to show you how to pray for them. You know, folks say, I want you to pray for me. Here, then when you start praying, you can very easily pray for this happening, this happened in your life, and, and pray for this uh, going on. And you can go to all the prayer lists. And here's what Paul is saying. No, start from the spiritual to the physical. And that's what he said. I want to teach you now how to pray. And that's why I give you a, a Colossians 1.9 that goes on through. He begins to say, now uh, that I praise you, now I want to pray for you. And so he lay out these things that he should pray for. And so let's go on. Let's get started then. The necessity of being filled, controlled by the basic essential for our decisions and actions. The first level of my prayer, the first level of his prayer was, was Father, I pray. You put a person's name, name in your mind. Matter of fact, those of you in the room, uh, look around, see a person, and, and just put their name in your mind right now. Uh, okay. Uh, and don't say what's the face. Just go ahead and get their name. And the whole idea is this, that once you have the person in the name, then the first thing you do is pray for their spiritual stability in the Lord. You start in the spiritual before you go to the physical. Okay. The best thing you can do for anyone is their spiritual status. You know why marriages break up? It break up in the spiritual way before in the physical. You know, a lot of times uh, folks are uh, depressed and everything else because they, have judged, they, they are stuck in the quagmire of the physical. And uh, when it comes down to the spiritual, they are not hearing God's heart, the God of all comfort. So the Paul says then, the first thing I want, want you to pray for, and this is, says, I pray that you will be filled. That word filled means controlled. That I'm praying that this, like, a, uh, and he does that, and I think it's Galatians 2, be, be not uh, no longer drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so the, uh, is it Ephesians? 
Ephesians. So the whole idea is this, that when you are filled, that word means control. You know what, what alcohol and drugs do to an individual? They lose control. And so Paul says, don't be filled with that. Now, guess, guess what? The word be means you can do it. The word be means it's available. The word be means you're responsible, okay? But when you do it, God is, God is glorified. So then when I decide to be spiritual, I'm on my way to think. If you want to do a way of thanking God, if, then do it by just um, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. No, well, what do you mean controlled? Do what you're told. The Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart on certain things. Uh, you should be praying, but you didn't pray this week. You should have been, the Holy Spirit has been telling you, don't do that, but you did. And I have a list of stories of all the time I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. And I label that with regrets, regrets, regrets. So then um, be filled with the knowledge of his will. And here's he tell you what you should be filled with. The knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He said, I pray that you are filled with that. That's, that's your first equipment because you know what? We're in a war zone. Satan doesn't care. Satan does not take a vacation. Satan will fight you until the day the Lord takes you home. You have got to be equipped. Some of you might be going through some things because you haven't turned it over to the Lord. You have been disobedient. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And if you have not been obedient, then how can he uh, give you the instructions that you can rejoice in the Lord always? Okay, I think he got that. We should pray for spiritual productivity that will produce lasting results. Having the knowledge of his will, having spiritual wisdom that is not of this world, and having understanding to hear receive and apply the truth in every aspect of our life. There's not a day go past when we leave, that we permit anything type of untrue to enter into our course of thinking. Now, we might be exposed to it, but thinking. And so here's where I found, and, and uh, there are times that I go um, through Facebook and what have you, and go through quotes, and sometimes when folks do quotes, I say, well, I wonder where they got that quote from. And so uh, I said, that's interesting. So I, uh, so I researched where they get the, got the quote from. And who they got the quote from, some of those folks uh, don't even know Jesus. But they're using the quote to believers who know Jesus. Be careful who you quote. Okay. Some of those are decent quotes, I guess, but be careful. Who you quote. We pray for spiritual productivity that will produce lasting results. So he talks about that. Knowledge, then the, 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 the understanding, the wisdom, that whole thing. Number two, the necessity of maintaining a godly lifestyle. And now notice the order that he builds this. He says, once you have done all of this, then it should affect how you live. It should affect what you say and what you do. You don't need to be around a bunch of believers. This is just who you are. 
And everyone that comes in contact with you and have some level of exposure to you, they appreciate who you are because it's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory that's working in you. They won't understand some things because it's from the flesh. But you understand and operate because you're from the spirit, out of the spirit. And God is dependent on you. That's why one of the reasons that he saved you, that you'll be a blessing to others in your obedience to him. So uh, his prayer was uh, for spiritual values that would make a difference. His prayer was that the results would be fully pleasing and satisfying to the Lord. Um, again, this has been my daily prayer. I'm not bragging about it, just this is how I feel. I, I, let, I let the Lord know, Lord, there's no way in the world I can repay you in any way. I said, but I want to live in a way that, um, that when I come before you, that at least I live a life of thanksgiving. And so when I greet the Lord in the morning, I say, good morning, Father. And uh, I tell, go through the course of the day and, and my my the thing that drives me is that the best thing that I can give God is thanksgiving to bless his name. You know, he blessed us. <laughs> you eat that cornbread and everything else. And he has blessed you. You know he has blessed you. But then we turn around and don't bless him. Ah. So his prayer was that the results would be fully, because it didn't say pleasing. Notice what it says here. Is that, is that adverb? It says, um, it says, fully pleasing and satisfying to the Lord. Fully. God has said, I am real, real when you pray. I wonder how God feels when we come to pray. Does he take a deep breath and say, Lord, I come to you because I've been very needed. Lord, I want you to do this. And Lord, and Lord says, they think, really think that I'm their bell heart. That I'm their spiritual concierge. I'm the Father who's able to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I um, I was at the table. I brought out a straw to get some more straws, but I, I put a, a straw in my juice. And um, and as I was sipping on the juice and uh, taking the juice in, that's down one of my, going into my moments, uh, the Lord laid on my heart. Now consider this. What you're sipping is juice, and the juice is coming from water. I, I supply all of this. And guess what? Suppose you were trying to sip up all the water in the world. How long do you think that would take? Lord, I'd have been, that's how my grace is. You can sip and sip and sip, and then there's still more that'll keep you going. And then when you get home, it's, 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 it's the next step in this eternal plan for you and me. So pray. When you're praying for an individual, that their eyes will be open to the things that are of God and that he has supplied for you, both you and me. His prayer was that, that the result would be fully pleasing and satisfying to the Lord. Our next one. The necessity of being fruitful and productive. Okay, so then um, you, you're, th you're thankful and you're, uh, 
you're, you're fully pleasing to the Lord and he sees the love. He says, now, after you water a plant, uh, you need to make sure that you put it in the right place that it may grow. God has placed us here in order for us to be productive and not a bump on the log. And this productivity that he's expecting out of our lives. Uh, in this area of growth, there were two things Paul prayed for his readers. Number one, that they would be productive. And so he says, in, in, he says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge of God. He says, these are the two. That you are fruitful in didn't say every work. It says every good work. That you are fruitful, you are prosperous, you are doing all of this. But understand, God is at work in you, both the will and to do His good pleasure. So He's He's giving you the want to and 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 the ability to do it. Says you will do that, and it says and then increasing. One thing is you're working with your hand, and then you expand in your mind. You see, and in each area, He says uh, increasing in knowledge in the knowledge of God. The more you know him, the more committed you will be to his purpose for your life. In this area of growth, there we mentioned that they'll be productive and they'll increase in knowledge. Let's go to the next one. The necessity of being strong. Be very patient. Colossians uh, 1.11 Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with love. He says, one of the things I want you to be strengthened with all power. Why, why do I need that power? Because we're in a war zone. We're fighting all the time. The Lord has laid out the three areas that we're fighting with. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And guess what? Even when Satan is, is bound for a thousand years and in uh and the, through the thousand-year reign, they still going to sin against the Lord because you still have the flesh uh, of those individuals who have not been saved. And so that, that battle, it has to be the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sin has been and is devastating. God's ultimate goal is that there will never be throughout all eternity it happened in eternity past. It'll never happen in eternity future. There'll never be a hint of sin in glory. That means that you don't have to worry about hospitals and police and all the uh, other uh, supportive units. Uh, you won't have to worry about jury duty and uh, no. when we get to glory. You enter to the land of what we call no more. No more sorrows, no more pain, no more frustration, no more enemies, no more unanswered prayer. Uh, you can talk to the Father face to face. He says, been strengthened in all power according to his glory of might. Remember, he's omnipotent for all endurance and patience with joy. In all that you go through, and as you go through it, you have a patient spirit. I don't think I'll go through. Oh, yes, you will. Those who will 
live righteously shall suffer persecution. If Jesus Christ was tempted on the mount, then what makes you think you won't be tempted in your life? If Satan's intention was to take Jesus down, what makes you think that Satan's not here to take you out? And therefore, you need power. But here's the instruction from the word of God. Be strong in the Lord and in, his, in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that ye may what? Do what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he gives all the instruments because when you're in the army, they give you all of the suity. That's why when you were, uh, they, they, they don't draft now, but when, it, when we were drafted, all the clothes you brought there, he said, put it in a little box and send it home. He said, because you see, you're a soldier now. He said, and guess what? They even gave us uh, clothes. And I, ha I still had that coat all, all these years. I still had that long army green coat that when you're in the cold, you get to what, that bad rascal, uh, hey, let the wind blow around you, but it's not going to get in you. Why? Because I put on the whole army of God, armor of God. And being in God's family, you have it. You know the problem is? We don't use it. It's all there. And when you don't put it on, that means you've been disobedient. So now you've been disobedient and, and then praying to me, Lord says, the first thing you do is obey what I say. So being strengthened with all power. It didn't say with some power. Why does it say all power? Because God is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. All power. The what? The need for tremendous power to face the world, the flesh, and the devil. How all of this power resides in Christ. I'm talking to believers now. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm not talking to those who are pre-Christians. I'm talking to those who are on the other side of the cross of Calvary, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed by, and by the grace of God, grace and love of God. That's whom I'm talking to. Why? To embrace, enhance, and maintain endurance with a joyful spirit. Whatever you're going through, whatever your lot is, and I continue to repeat what Brandon would say, Jesus will meet you. Jesus will meet you. The only problem is he's there to meet you, but you won't greet him. There are some folks who are uh, going through some things and the Lord is there to comfort them. He's the God of all com uh, comfort. He's a, he's a wonderful comfort. I mean, you have the whole package and you don't have to pay a dime. And here's the thing that cuts them off. Lord, I understand you can do all those things. What do you think that next word is? But... That conjunction with a function. And you say, Lord, I understand it, but you don't understand what I'm going through. What an insult to a wonderful Lord who's perfecting us to hang out with him forever. Getting rid of all of the impurities in our lives. Oh, well, let's go on. The necessity of possessing and maintaining a thankful spirit. That's the last thing that we talked about on, on the list here. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance 
of the saints in love. That's that's why in, in Sunday school we talk about uh election about calling and all these other things. He qual when he call, when he calls you he qualifies you. But he called you before the foundation of the world. He knew about you before the foundation of the world. You didn't stumble into salvation. You didn't stumble into oh. I'm saved. You gotta be. No, you're in the wrong. That no, you had to go next door. I don't know where you are right now. But those of us who are saved, we know. See, it's it's a no soul situation. So we're giving thanks to the Father who have qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sin. And so this kind of breaking this out, I'm pretty sure I did break this out. We begin to list the things that he had done. Paul outlined four important facts in these verses. God our Father qualified us to share in the inheritance. An inheritance is given. You don't earn an inheritance. That's why... When individuals say that they are saved and lost, you mean to tell me you inherit eternal life that was determined by the Father before the foundation of the world. Then you messed up as a person on your way to glory. And since you messed up, you lost your salvation, which counsel all, all that Jesus Christ had done for you all the way up to the cross of Calvary at moment. Please. Saved and lost, perfect. I don't believe it. There's no scripture that validates that. They have extrapolated uh, words and things out of context. And a lot of folks go around. And here's the thing. It causes, when you believe that, it causes a fear that you're going to lose your salvation. Please. When you were born into your family, you, you know you messed up and you deserve a whipping. Um, that didn't change your name. You still belong to the family. You, you may change location. Now go in your room. So you ain't going to the room, but you still, you're a family member going into a room. Out of punishment, you still here. And let me tell you something. Through an inheritance, he called us. And what that means, when he calls you to an inheritance, that means that somebody has to die in order to get it. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. That's why we're under the new covenant. And under the new covenant, we find that our inheritance is sure. But you have to have a person who's going to make sure that that happens. And God says, I got it. I'll make sure that it happens. And all of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, let the wintry weather howl. Let the heat and the summer beat upon us. It will not change who we are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is who had not only qualified us, God our Father delivered us. You see the process? Paul is very uh, methodical. He says, he qualified, and then he delivered us. And then God our Father transferred us, repositioned us. Once he delivered us, he didn't keep us where we were. He's transferred us into the body of Christ, where you get the full works. You have all of the goodness and the mercy and grace that God can provide. And then God our Father placed us to be the recipients of his grace and mercy. He trans so he qualified, 
He delivered. He transferred these verbs. He transferred us. He placed us. And all of these are very personal. He's talking about everyone here in this room that know Christ. Everyone who's on the other side of Calvary. Says you've done all of this, and he's keep working in you until all of us get home. Don't let Satan take you out on this. Don't let a football game take your mind off the fact that you should be before the Lord and uh, worshiping in Him. I'm thinking about the news, and uh, I was looking at the game that's coming up, and they had a lot of snow. Another thing that got me was not snow in in the in the, the stadium. That was the not the football game. That was the the height football game. No. You know, thing got my attention. What? Okay, I tell you, I um I was watching closely as they said we need to clean out these seats in order for the game to take place. And the people who were in the cold, he said, and bring your shovel. Now, those three things they had to do. Number one, they had to. First thing they had to do, they had to pay for the, the ticket to get in the game, bring the shovel, you know, to go to the game, then get out there in that cold and clear off the seats so folks can be there to root there. And guess what? They're not getting paid a dime. Some are paying hundreds of dollars for seats, and they get a good shout out for their team. Huh? And then the Lord says, do I have anybody around here who's thankful? After all I have taken you through and what I will be taking you through, I want you to have thankful spirits and understand that I transferred you and placed you to be a recipient of grace and mercy. Wow. wow. What else can be said? What else can be said? Well, let's go on then. One last thing. When you hear that, you know, he's getting ready to shut his mouth. Okay, one last thing. Question. What are you doing in your life walk that will make an eternal impact in your lives as others? First things first. And that's the title of the message. First things first. It is impossible to personally accomplish anything outside of Christ that will make an impact and eternal difference in the lives of others. Outside of Christ, it's again good. I don't care what type of humanitarian, I think about all the, let's keep your eyes, all the people and how they're helping folks and everything else, and guess what, if they do not know Christ, after they've done all of that, they're still going to wind up in the lake of fire. Because it's the, the Isaiah means the fact that all your works of righteousness are as filthy rags. Why? Because it did not come through Christ. It did not honor God. And so I praise the Lord for that. And I just want to challenge you. And before we go into prayer and, uh, and closing, I just want to correct something. Uh, and I believe this was, I was told that it was March 22nd that we should be praying for Oliver Jeffrey. So I just want to change, make sure we nail that date for him. Um, but we keep him in prayer. Let's bow to prayer. Father God, how we come this morning and we thank you for your goodness to us. 
You are a great God. Great is your faithfulness. And we pray, Lord, that as we um, move from this session, that you will be glorified in our lives. First things first. The leopard, when he was healed, he didn't go to the temple. He turned around. That, that one leopard who was Samaritan turned around and went back to Jesus, fell down on his knees and worshipped him. First things first. First things first, Lord, you're number one. You're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, which is, which uh, was, and which is to come. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we as believers take the pattern that Paul is using to pray for individuals. Pray from the spiritual, encourage them, and then pray for them, Lord. And I just pray that the next thing we'll be doing with him warning them, but next, the whole idea of praying for them, we just pray uh, that uh, we begin to pray for those who are around us, that they come to know you. And as believers, that we will grow and use what our package that the Holy Spirit uh, has to try to encourage us to unpack in our lives. That those who do not know Christ, Lord, I pray that this moment will be a time, a turning point in their lives where they come to know you and they come to ask you as Savior, knowing that they can't save them lives, their own lives, that you are God, you came in the flesh, you died on the cross of Calvary, the blood satisfied, uh, satisfied the requirement, and all they had to do is believe it, receive it, and accept it. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints say.